0: Well, welcome to another episode of breakaway from the rat race and today i have the pleasure of speaking with uh, kent ritter and kent has been uh has been investing right now since 2019 in in a syndication business where he acquired over 600 rental units valued at over 50 million dollars prior to that uh kent was uh, leading the private select business unit out of uh, burge and held asset management and that's where it's kind of his, uh, his real estate MBA, uh, as he calls it, where he learned how to, to really manage uh, like $1.5 billion in assets and uh, totaling about 15,000 units. And prior to that, Kent was a, a partner in a management consulting firm. And um, so he played a central role in growing the business up to 95 employees. And he sold that business uh, after that. And we're going to talk about that How after he sold our, his business, kind of how he used this uh, this asset to get kick started in real estate. Uh, Kent, on top of that, is the host of a very successful podcast called Ritter on Real Estate. So you may want to follow that as well. Kent, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Eric. Appreciate having me on.
0: Oh, my, my pleasure. So that's that's great. So great, great story, management consulting. Uh, so you learn quite a bit about, uh, you know, all the, so I, I did some of that as well. And you kind of learn a lot about all the different businesses. And uh, so I really, if you love business, doing management consulting is is fantastic for that because you do these projects and then, you know, and then you learn the business, pharmaceutical business, and then you go in biotech and then you go into all kinds of things. But t- tell me more about your experience and what you what you got out of that management experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, what you described is exactly why I became a management consultant in the first place is because uh, I, you know, I knew from, from being a small child that, that I wanted to own my own business. And, and I later learned that that was called being an entrepreneur. Uh, but, but I didn't know what kind of business I wanted. I just, I just knew I wanted to have my own. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so you know, as I was going through college, I mean, I kept that same mindset. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I, I went to business school because, um, again, I wanted to learn about business, and I knew one day this would all come together into something. And um, as I was as I was looking at what I wanted to do next, I actually I did a, an internship as an accountant uh, between my junior and senior year. And that was enough to tell me I did not want to be an accountant. So,
0: okay, good. <laughs> so I, uh, but it didn't kill your business, uh, entrepreneur no, spirit. Okay.
1: No, it just killed my, my accounting double major. I, uh, I, I ended like nine credit hours short. Cause I went back my senior year and it was like, no more accounting. <laughs> so, but I still got the finance degree in the econ. So, um, but anyway, I, I had an opportunity to to join a management consulting firm. And I thought that was a great opportunity because coming out of school, because again, I would get to see a lot of different businesses, understand how businesses work, get to solve problems. Uh, I, I knew I didn't, I, I didn't want to be stuck in a cubicle. Like, I knew that wasn't me from the accounting internship. So I get to travel all around, do all that stuff. Right. And so I did that for 12 years. I, I traveled around the country, helping, helping different businesses solve big problems essentially. And, and yeah, like you said, you learn what makes businesses successful, what makes them unsuccessful, more more of like the what not to do than the what to do because they don't call you when it's going well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you look, really get to learn like the levers that make businesses work and like what really matters. And, uh, you know, I look at real estate at the scale that I do it buying these large apartment buildings as buying businesses. I mean, we're not buying a house, we're buying a business. It's got revenue and expenses, uh, you know, and it, it's been cash flowing typically for 30 or 40 years. Uh, and so it's really how do you, optimize that business, just like any other business. How do you yep. decrease expenses? How do you increase revenue? How do you do better marketing? Right. And so I, I really take a lot of the principles from that management consulting experience uh, and my experience of starting, you know, being there like from the beginning of a startup and, and taking that through uh, exit and take that all into my real estate investing. I think it all all applies very well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's very good. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's, uh, I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. Because yeah. I mean, I it's, a really, yeah, it's a grind. Yeah. It's really a grind. And then you're never home. You're always traveling. And then your yeah. kids don't recognize you. And I know you have like three kids under five. So exactly. <laughs> that must have and, been a Very challenging.
1: Well, and that was one of my big catalysts. So when we sold our company uh, in 2015, uh, then we all went to work for the company that, that we sold to, you know, when you yeah. like when you sell a business, they don't just let you walk away. We, we yeah. had earn, earn outs that we had to had to complete. Um, so I still, I, I I was a management consultant for four years after we sold that company working now as an executive for the company that we sold to. Um, and and during that time, yeah, I had my, my first daughter and my second daughter and, uh, and and that was exactly that was one of the huge reasons of why I, I knew I wanted to get out of management consulting because you know you're gone all the time. And mm. I started looking at the the guys that were like 10 years ahead of me and started asking them, you know, like how do you manage this with family? How do you do that? And I just didn't like the answers. Yeah. I heard a lot oh, yeah. of it was, well, you know, I've been married three times and I've been divorced yeah. and, you know, they're like, Oh, my kids don't really want me around anyway. So it's okay to travel. And, and a lot of those people, frankly, looked at, looked at the week, the work week is like their weekend, yeah. you know, and it was like, go, like, go out to the bars, do all this stuff. And it was just not, not what I wanted. I wanted to yeah. be home with, with my new family. And so I knew that I needed a, a way to exit uh, management consulting. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really, that's really when when I went from because in in 2015 and 16 after we sold the company I started investing passively with other people mm-hmm. in real estate because I still had my full time job and I just wanted I, at that point I was only looking for really diversification out of the stock market because I didn't want to have all my eggs in one basket but as I continued to learn and really fell in love with the process you know around kind of probably 2018. And then in the 19 was when I started, I started saying, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Does my earnouts come into an end? Really had fallen in love with real estate and really started looking at this as saying, man, I think this is my next, my next adventure. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think this is something that my skills would very easily apply to and, and they have, and, and we've been able yeah. to, you know, have a great run and, and I'm having, I'm, I'm able to see my kids every day. And yeah. I'm having more fun than I ever did in the management consulting business doing what we're doing. And yeah. uh, so I just feel blessed right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing too about the management consulting that I didn't like is that you know my I could literally see my hours and money. Mm-hmm. You work an hour, you get money, you don't work, you don't get money. So I was independent and I was just like, oh,
1: yeah, that was horrible.
0: Yeah. I would go on vacation. I'd be like miserable because I say, well, look, this vacation is costing me yeah. a fortune. Not only <laughs> the, the cost. Vacation costs double. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, exactly. You know, I mean,
1: and that's a, that's a huge point. It's like real estate is one of the most straightforward vehicles to create passive income and quit trading mm-hmm. your, your time for money. Right. Yeah. To yeah. Like it's awesome when I go on vacation and I know that rent is still coming in and that's a great yeah. feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um because I I get it like being the management consultant and, and you you charge hourly and mm-hmm. that's yeah. Uh, yeah yeah
0: so uh, and so after that so you started investing after that after your exit from the management consulting company and then you started investing in real estate you really fell in love with that and then you end up uh, in um, which is a little bit. Uh, you know, you went into that burge, burge and Held, I don't know if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it right, asset yeah. management. And uh, So why did you go in there instead of just continuing to invest on your own? And then, you know, I'm sure you had the skills at that time to, you know, to venture on your own. So why did you decide to go to Burge and Held?
1: Yeah, so, so Burge and Held uh, is owned by by somebody who, who's been a long-term mentor of mine. Uh, and you know, as I started getting in real estate, I actually started investing with them first off. And that was how I I developed a relationship with uh, one of their principals. And, um, you know, and through that process, I, I was able to just build a lot of relationships within their organization. And I thought it was a really high class organization. I thought they did a lot. They've obviously been extremely successful. And I really, You know, I so I had done one syndication on my own at at that point, and and my mentor was like, Wow, I think, I think honestly, he was kind of like, Man, he actually did it! Like, look at this. And so, he he offered for me to come and really join uh, as a partner on their platform, but start my own business unit. And really focus on a niche strategy. And the the thesis for him, the value prop was like, he's like, you know, we are focusing on this giant mothership 15,000 units, but I know there's opportunity over here. So if you want to come and use our platform to build out a team and focus on that, like, like, I'll support you in that. And we created a separate LLC, a separate partnership, and we, and kind of went oh, out. Oh, I see. Went out and did that, and uh, mm. but I was able. So to, that was to, that
0: private select business unit. So that ex- was a, exactly. an entity within the bigger entity. Exactly, oh, so it was kind of
1: like a startup within like a big corporation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And oh, that's so, great.
1: Great. I, like, I was hiring my own team, and we were, le- but I was able to leverage a lot of their back office, you know, their accounting and HR and different nice, things, nice. and uh, and pay kind of a corporate allocation to do that. But, um, so the, you asked the reason I did that and didn't keep, just keep going on my own. So I had to, to make a decision on like, do I want to be, you know, a big fish in a small pond or, or a smaller <laughs> fish in a really big pond. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, I look at this as a 30 year career for me. I mean, I yeah. actually just turned 37 yesterday and yeah. I think this is something oh, I could happy do birthday. for, for the, thank <laughs> you. But I think this is something I could do the rest of my life. So I looked at the, I looked at it saying, you know what? At the very least, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to come out of this learning a ton with a much better network and a great pedigree, right, of being at a top private equity firm. So, um, so that's how I looked at it, and and you know it was a great experience. Uh, I led four acquisitions with them, raised all the equity, sourced the debt, really did it from beginning to end. Uh, we did four deals together uh, in 2020. And um, and it was a great learning experience, and so I came out of it, you know, more confident than ever that, as I went back, decided it was the right path for me to be back out on my own, the entrepreneur yeah. I am, wanting to have my own business. I just felt so much more secure in the knowledge that I'd had in the track record uh, in doing that, and so yeah. that was that was why I did it. Um, and now, you know, since June of this year, I've been back out on my own, and we've, we've closed on 181 units in three mm-hmm. different transactions. And uh, we're just rocking and rolling from there.
0: Wow, that's great. So, at the, uh, yeah, I mean, so it sounds like, yeah, that private select, that was a great kind of like, I would say, like a safe environment where you can kind of like uh, experience and say, okay, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And uh, my business, and I can really do this on my own. And you know, this is this is great. It's a safe yeah. environment. You learn everything. You have access to all these resources. And, and the cool uh, thing
1: was, the cool thing was because of their scale, uh, we were yeah. able to do some really cool things with with yeah. different vendors. So I started a technology committee when I was there because I've always been very tech forward, and all the consulting yeah. that we did was very tech forward. And so I was able to to really bring that kind of tech mindset, I think, into. Into the company, and we started a technology committee, and we were able to do some cool stuff like uh, implement uh, smart locks and self-guided tours, wh- which are now being implemented across the portfolio. But started with the little group that I yeah. had, and and even uh, centralizing uh, le- some leasing, like lead generation from leasing, yeah. and use, doing that in a centralized call center model versus uh, you know relying on on the property managers to do that, and yeah. it's it's had a substantial impact on that firm's portfolio. And so I'm, I'm proud of those things I was able to do. I wouldn't have been able to do that starting on my own. You mm-hmm. got to have a decent, decent scale, but now I know what I want to grow into as I grow my business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the other thing too, that you mentioned, <clears throat> and I think people would kind of like, the, I would kind of like, uh, pass it over, but I think this is very important. You mentioned something about being the not being the small fish in a big pond and try to find the pond of the right size basically for your business. And I can't emphasize that enough because I think what uh, what I'm seeing too, and it, it was the same for me, when I started investing in the San Francisco Bay Area, I was trying to get into these deals and then, you know, I would always like the numbers never made sense to me because I had to get like hard money lending. I had to get like uh, subcontractors, that i had to pay you know contractors that didn't work for me i had to go and get them and everybody was uh, i had to pay the realtors and all of that kind of stuff and the numbers really at the end didn't make sense i was making like two percent return and i would putting i was putting like lots of money at risk for that Mm -hmm. over a number of years (laughs) to get that done and um and that's because I was I was the small fish. I didn't have enough money really to play in that pond. And uh, everybody was just like, "Oh yeah, that, that's only $2 million. They would put two million dollars down. Or for me, mm-hmm. like it's like, "Oh, I need to get right. some money for that." Yeah. Uh, but really, finding and then we—that's when uh, one of the reason why I moved to uh, not moved, but I started investing out of state. Started investing in Memphis, Cleveland, Saint Louis, where my my money was going a lot further, mm-hmm. and. Um, <clears throat> I was able to kind of like work with contractors and all of that, and I think that's important because you you find the right place to invest that where you it's the right size, the market is it fits your your economics, and um, so I think this I think that's a uh, I just wanted to mention that that's something that's very yeah if you find yourself that you're always hitting your head against the wall against something that's bigger than you and all of that consider kind of like looking at a different market uh to um to make sure that your money go- works for you.
1: Yeah, and I think that um you know even just maybe a different size uh, of assets. So, yeah. you know, a lot of the groups a lot of folks that come out of like groups today here, you know, we got to buy 100 plus units, got to buy 100 exactly. plus units.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh we've had a ton of success <clears throat> buying, you know, 50 units, 48, 29, 30, 75, like, you know, uh, all kinds of, of different unit sizes and because in that market to your point in that size of asset there's less competition
0: yeah you, know,
1: you you don't have as many groups that are going to come in and put 2 million hard day one down yeah. which you do on larger properties and yeah so if you don't if you don't have especially in the market now i mean that's kind of the play is throw down a bunch of hard money so that you can get a a deal in a very competitive market. So going and and doing some of those smaller deals at first to build a base, um, I think is a really good strategy, you know, and can help people get into the game rather than like beating your head against the wall, trying to get, you know, 150, 200 units and competing against, well, like the burgeon helds of the world that have, you know, 20,000 units at this point.
0: Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that strategy. And this is a, when we look at the I do a lot of single family rentals, obviously with Martel Turnkey. But uh I also do a lot of uh like some apartment buildings. And then our our sweet spot is below 60 units. Uh hopefully owner operator. Uh so they don't have they do self-manage the, mm-hmm. the property and stuff like that. And they're at the a point now where they they all they held the property for you know 20 years and they're tired of that. They're tired yeah. of having to lease yet again, another yeah. apartment and, you know, fixing problems and roofs and stuff like that. Yeah, so, we just
1: bought, we bought two of those deals uh, mm-hmm. over the past month to yeah. o- owner operator, long-term owners, uh, a 48 unit and a 29 unit. And yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're both going to be home runs because there's just so many operational inefficiencies.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, this is, to me, that's the sweet spot. I know, and everybody that I talk to, oh, 100 plus, 100 plus, 100 plus. And then just like, really? Like this is, uh... but again, I'm in the single family rentals in Memphis and Cleveland. And then nobody wants to touch the uh, what I'm doing. So I have kind of, I have that niche <laughs>
1: yeah. and then
0: nobody wants to be in there. Yeah. you know, And it's highly transactional. I mean, we do 120 uh, single family rentals a, a year nobody wants to do that because it's like well, you don't make enough money and all of that but yeah so yeah so that's that's very good so you started uh back to you kent uh, <laughs> so hudson investing so now you've been so you, you leave that private select business and then that must be hard that's that's a hard thing because it's you're leaving a place of comfort with uh, virgin held and now you're you're venturing on your own so what t- tell me talk about that transition over to, uh, to your own company.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is a hard decision, you know, it's hard to leave a place of comfort and get out of your comfort zone. And, uh, but for, for me, it just, it, it continuously came back to kind of this, I guess, desire I, I've always had to, to have my own business and, and run my own business. And and I know that, I know I'm good at building teams and I'm good at building culture because I've done it before. I've done it for my own company. I've done it for other organizations. And I knew that I wanted to ultimately build the company like with my own culture and kind of my own image and build my own team and, and really be able to just, uh, be, you know, kind of, uh, control is the wrong word, but be able yeah. to build the, the team at, yeah. as I wish with the culture Le- that Le- I wish, just- and yeah, and and that was ultimately what it was all about. It was okay, you know, am I going to build this kind of under their umbrella, or am I going to take the additional risk and and really do what I want to do on my own? And and luckily, I was in a I put myself in a financial position to have, you know, some some nest egg put away to be able to to float, you know, for a while. So I basically had, um, you know, we, we had sold some real estate and we had um, done a few things to position us so that we had a couple years of, you know, expenses socked away in a savings account that I could put toward that and and put money towards starting the business, you know, so we were able to be well capitalized from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I felt and, and I just, at that point, I had, I had the confidence to say, you know, I know I can do this. I know I'm going to be successful. And, um, and I think that's a lot of work on limiting beliefs and mindset and other things, yeah, but, but yeah. I've been able to get myself there. Uh, and I just, I, I knew I was going to be successful and we've had a great run in the first, gosh, I mean, we're, we're almost six months here, not even. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've been super happy with it and now we're just continuing to grow.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, And it's yeah. So this is often people are talking, you know, they they come from an environment where they it's their life is very, very tough. And then, you know, they make a decision and, you know, they go somewhere. But there's something to be said about being in in a comfort zone, being leading a very comfortable life and Then deciding to leave that behind to start your own and then taking more risks. So, there's a this, uh, so no yeah. matter what you know, where you are today, uh, if this is something that you want to do, I mean, you're you need to kind of like make that decision, make that jump. If this is otherwise, you know, I have only one life to live, so uh, might as well live it on your own terms.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, and and I think that you know, it, it does take kind of a, a unique personality. I think I don't run into a lot of people that, that would do that. Most people tell me I'm crazy, but you know, everybody thought every successful entrepreneur was crazy at the mm-hmm. beginning of their career. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your kind of like your first deal. So you, uh, you left private select, started Hudson investing and now you, uh, so you're looking for a deal. Um, mm-hmm. so, Tell us what kind of like your, your, you mentioned a little bit about your investment criteria, but uh, kind of like, how did you get started? How did you find your first deal and how did you get, get into it?
1: Uh, yeah. So, you know, I actually, I did it. So we've done three deals since we uh, got started really in June of this mm-hmm. year. And they were, they were done a couple of different ways. So I'll just, I'll mention a couple of different ways you can go about it. So, so one deal uh, I, I partnered with a friend of mine on, and he, he had a, a couple partners uh, already. And so we, we kind of co-GP'd this deal. So there was four or so people, um, you know, I, I wore a few different hats as far as some investor relations work, some underwriting work, uh, really now some asset management work because I have a, I own a property that's about 10 minutes from the one we bought. So they, they knew I knew the market well. Um, and so that that's one way to go about it, right? Is, is to find others and partner and uh, really do a kind of a co gp type model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then two other de- the two other deals that we did uh, were actually with two different partners, um, but they were smaller deals. And so I decided that it would make sense and be beneficial to to my investors to put them together into a portfolio. So we put the a 29 unit and a 48 unit together into a portfolio, so that. Uh, you know, we could have one bucket of equity as the investors invest, they can invest, they get one investment into two properties, uh, which helps them diversify because the prop one property is on the West side of Indianapolis. One's on the East side of Indianapolis. So totally different sub markets. And, um, and yeah. And so, and so that's how we, so on those uh, I I'm, I'm the lead really running the show. And uh, and so just different, different ways to, to get it done, but you know i think whether you're partnering or whether you can you find your own deals and, and one one of those deals was brought to me from uh you know from a person who is more novice but but was doing d- direct uh, mailing and and got a seller on the hook and, and brought it to me and said hey you know will you help me help me take this down i said sure it looks like a great deal you know i'll help you get it over the finish line and so that's a great way to partner right if you're getting mm-hmm. started finding a deal like that and bring it to someone who's more experienced is a great way to get started um, and then the other deal uh, was actually through a long-time broker relationship. So I mean, broker relationships—you got to build those over the long term. But you know, it was a situation where it was kind of a pocket listing. He was like, you know, I'm going to show this to you and, and like two other people. And as soon as I saw it, I, I knew it was a great deal. So I said, you know, I'll no. take it. Uh, and so didn't let it get out to the broader market and get and go through a bidding war. And so it was uh, like all of the deals were done in a little bit of a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. yes yeah, so there's something that's interesting too about the the sourcing i mean you mentioned this person that just like was doing direct mailing and found an opportunity and brought it to you and uh, this is kind of like i would say wholesaling on steroids uh yeah. because now you're getting uh, either you're putting that person as a, a co-gp on mm-hmm. on your uh on your project or you pay an assignment fee yeah but um you know, I know a lot of people, they don't have the money up front, right? So they, uh, and the sp- they especially don't have the money for, for a big project, like a so 40 unit apartment building. So, so this is a great way. So if you're listening, and you know how to find these deals, sourcing these, uh, these uh, apartment buildings and stuff like that, then networking with uh, investors like Kent, and, uh, you know, and just contacting yeah. them and say, Hey, I have this deal in blah, blah, blah. Is this something that would interest you? And um, so, I mean, this this is why we, we keep saying you don't always need money. Like if you have a good, if you find a deal, if you know how to find a deal and how to present the deal, you can. the money is not the problem. The money, yeah, I you, mean, can, you can find the money.
1: Yeah. I, I would definitely argue right now in the market we're in, it's harder to find deals than it is to find money. Yeah. That's you right. know, and uh, and so I think that's a great way to add value is is to be outsourcing deals and putting that sweat equity in, and yeah, I made him I made him a part of the GP, so he gets a GP interest, and it's mutually beneficial because, you know, I live about an hour from the property, he lives about ten minutes away, and so he's really uh, leading asset management, and then I'm mm-hmm. able to just kind of advise, but he's able to really go and execute.
0: Yeah. No, oh, this is great. Uh, the other thing too that I like is that you kind of, uh, I mean, and this is true of a lot of uh, businesses, a lot of uh, real estate projects that, uh, that we do is it's every deal is a little bit different. You kind of structure it a little bit differently because of, oh, you know, you have this other investors that you want to do a joint venture with or co-GP and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So tell me about kind of like that that flexibility, that the ability to kind of like structure the deal to the appropriate um, situation, I would say.
1: Yeah, I, I think in real estate, you just have to be creative and you have to, it's kind of just an understanding that you can do whatever you want. Pretty much. You just have to have to have the attorneys, uh, they're knowledgeable enough to structure it in the right way and, and know that it's possible. Right. And so we've done deals a lot of different ways. Um, even within the properties that I was talking about, like that 48 unit. Uh, so an interesting story on that one is, uh, the day that I, I handed the seller the contract the PSA was the day that Biden announced uh, the, his new his new tax plan and, and at that point the tap, capital gains could could double right yeah. and so the seller balked and yeah. and it was under loI but he didn't want to sign the contract because he was like I'm not sure I want to sell it if my capital gains are going to be double He's like I might just hold on to it uh, because I, I was willing to make this much profit but not if I have to pay double the taxes. Mm-hmm. And so um, it took about a month of negotiating with him and coming back to the table three times and then away and back and away um, to to structure a deal that worked for both sides. And, And we ended up, you know, I had to take a little risk on that. Uh, a little more risk than I typically would have uh, to get him to sign the contract. But I was fairly certain that nothing material was going to happen with capital gains before we got the thing closed. But I gave him, I gave him a 30 day out. So during the due diligence period, either of us could walk away uh, for the first 30 days. And that's not something, you know, you would typically do because typically the seller just wants to sell it and they're not going to, they're not going to walk away. It's very non-standard, but it was a compromise that allowed me to ultimately get the deal done and had to take on a little more risk. But to me, it was worth it because I I felt that the probability of that happening was pretty small. And over that month, I built a relationship with the seller and with his son. And uh, you know, I had to take their word for it a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think people don't understand exactly how the system works too. I mean, the fact that the president, not just Biden, but any president says, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to cut right. the taxes or increase right. the taxes or whatever. It has to go through Congress. And uh, yeah. by the time it gets through this, I mean, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. And, so,
1: and, and that was a lot of that work in that month was, was education with the yeah. seller of educating him and, and, and making sure that he was speaking with an accountant and an attorney and that they yeah. were able to like I was saying that, but that he heard it from other parties as well. Yeah, and I think ultimately yeah. that's what helped him get comfortable that, okay, like it's not just going to happen overnight. And, yeah, exactly. You know, they're they're exactly. not going to come, come get you later and, and take half your money type thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah that education, I, I think when you're working with, like mom and pop, I think kind of has a bad connotation. I mean, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just that he, he it was the only property he owned and he self-managed it.
0: Yeah. And he
1: just not really a real estate professional. Yeah. And, um, but when you're working with folks like that, you, you just have to do a little more handholding. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a big lesson learned uh, for me on, on those deals was you just have to be willing to do more and maybe things that aren't necessarily like your job as, as the buyer, but mm-hmm. it's all, it's just all about getting the deal done. It's like, you know, do whatever you have to to get the deal done.
0: Yeah, I think it comes to you kind of in terms of uh, as the investor or the buyer uh, to kind of like come with some credibility um, to and then kind of like, um, I would say like authenticity. So Mm they say, you know, this is where I'm coming from. and. You know, this is why I want to buy your property and all of that. And so I think it's it's kind of interesting. When we bought one of the apartment building that I bought in, in Memphis, I mean, we again, owner-operator, and now this guy's, we, we've bought a couple of buildings from him as well, uh, other buildings. And then, um, so it was kind of interesting because he didn't see the value in his own apartment building. You know, we said, well, you can increase the rent by, you know, 50 percent easy on these things and oh no it's like this and uh and that's why he was kind of he was tired of it he said you can't raise the rent and stuff like that and you know we raised the rent you know uh 50 percent or more on on that on that building but you cannot you you know, you know that, and we share that with him. We think we can do this, and he kind of uh, said, Oh, no, there's no way you can do. <laughs> you yeah. shouldn't be spending money on renovating." So, when are we're gonna change this, change that. And like, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you've,
1: you've got to have a vision for it, right? Yeah, and exactly. You got, got to be able to see what the property can become, not yeah. not just what it is right now. But like, I think another thing you said that is great is like, like you really have to have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like I like people. Ask, people talk to me all the time because they want to be syndicators you know and, and, I, and I tell them like look honestly if, if you don't love it like if you don't love doing the deals you don't love the projects and love seeing the properties improved and come together which which i do yeah. like the, ju- the juice isn't worth the squeeze because you could make a solid you know 15 to 20 to north of 20 percent return annually mm. by just being a passive investor yeah. you know y- like yes you make more on uh as, as running the deals, but like, if you don't love it, it's not worth it. Go do something you love and then make another 20% on the side, yeah, passively yeah. investing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of which, I mean, why, why do you, you could do these deals probably on your own, um, you know, these, uh, but you seem to be bringing all Some other people. You always build a team, and then you're doing these deals. So even all these deals, you're all doing syndication. Even your your first deal that you co GP, so you had like syndication and stuff.
1: Yeah. So so I've uh, yeah I've been I've been a part of eight eight syndications. Okay. And uh, and uh, of the of those six, I've I've led and been the uh, the main sponsor. And uh, yeah, you know, the reason well, the reason I do it is because I got, I got some good advice from, from a mentor and it was like, okay, you know, so, so I was originally going to do uh, sing, like single families and, and I have a small portfolio of like singles and doubles, but, but I was looking at it from a scale standpoint and say, okay, you know, I want to be able to scale um, more quickly. And it's like, okay, well, I could go buy, you know, so I was turned on to multifamily. It's like, okay, I could go buy a 50 unit Property or an 80-unit property, right? And well, mentor of mine said, "Okay, well, well, you you got into this really to diversify, right? Um, but if you go buy, say, an 80-unit, you put all your money into that. Well, you still have all your eggs in one basket. What do you what do you do after that, right? There's there's no growth beyond that. Yeah. So you're you're owning this building and running this building, but you're telling me you don't really want to be a landlord. And I'm like, yeah, that you're right. <laughs> and so that's where I really got introduced to syndication and the idea mm-hmm. that you can. Um, you know, you can pool your money together with other people and go buy something bigger and better than you can on yourself. And also diversify across a bunch of properties versus having, again, all your eggs in one basket. So I really liked that concept.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and so that was why I really started syndicating. And then, and then honestly, I, what I realized was the power of these types of investments and the returns that you can get. And, And I just feel like there's I've got a mission now to like tell as many people about this as possible because a lot of people just don't know that you can invest in real estate in that way. And a lot of people are just stuck in their 401k, doing the mutual fund thing and getting below average returns, and uh, and that's not a way to build wealth for retirement. And so Mm -hmm. that was why I started my podcast. All these things I was like, man. I didn't know about this, and I, I thought I was a pretty savvy investor. I was a I was a finance major in college with a concentration on investing and all this, right? And uh, and so I was like, man, I, more people need to know about this. And it's so mm-hmm. cool now because I've been able to bring in so many of my friends and family into these deals. And, and it wasn't the first deal because everybody was like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. And then, you know, yeah. but I, it was like the third or fourth deal where like the people that knew me, my friends and family started be like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, let me get in on that. But now it's cool. Like when they get their their distribution checks, they're all texting me like, hey, I just got my check. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, and I just, I, I love that about it. I feel, like, yeah. I feel like I can change people's lives by giving them uh, just a better financial position than, than they could ever have without
0: it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So what does your t- typical uh, kind of a capital stack look like for these buildings?
1: Yeah, typical capital sta- stack would be uh, 20 to 30% equity and uh, 70 to 80% debt.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So we're, um, you know, and we're sourcing debt from either the eight agencies like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or from mm-hmm. uh, local banks,
0: community okay. banks. Oh yeah. wow. Well. Uh, and then, so for your, uh, for your equity, you have, how many investors are you trying to, to get into these, uh, these syndication?
1: It just depends on the size of the deal, right? It depends yeah. on how, how much equity is required, but mm-hmm. um, the minimum investment is 50,000 for, for an individual. And um, you know, from there people invest up to 250, 300,000. It just, uh, I would, you know, the average investment is somewhere is about 65 K cause most oh, yeah. people are, most people are in at 50, but yep. then, you know, I have a few people that put a couple hundred thousand into every deal. Yeah. And so, it, you know, I've got about 160 investors uh, on my list and, um, and yeah. And, and so it, it just depends on, it's always a first come first served basis and it just depends on, who's in it, kind of where they're at, how much liquidity they have. And, and if they're the first ones to the table.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. The, um, so you must have a long list of kind of like investors, uh, that, uh, you know, that you can tap into and tell them about the, uh, is the next project coming on and all of that. Right.
1: Yeah. It's about 160 people at, oh, at wow. the moment. And, um, you know, it, I've, I've met it, those people in a lot of different ways. Um, a lot of people find me through, through my podcast or through doing podcasts like this and reach yeah. out via my, my website, which is KentRitter.com. And they fill out an investor application and then uh, they get screened by my team and they get on a call with me. And then after that, we're, uh, we're able to add them into the, uh, the, the deal flow.
0: Nice, and, uh, nice. and then
1: depending on the type of deal we're doing yeah. whether it, it, it needs to be friends and family and have a pre-existing relationship or it's mm. just open to accredited yeah. uh, kind of depends which lists we can open it up to
0: okay so you, yeah, so you're doing a 506 like uh, B or
1: so we done B, we've done B and C. So, so the B yeah. is the friends and family, right? We, yeah. we have to have a pre-existing relationship. And that's why yeah. I like to set up phone calls, like a series of calls. Yeah. And we have a 30-day cooling off period uh, to make sure that, you know, we're not offering them investments too early. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, there's a list over here. And then there, there's the accredited folks, which, you know, if we're doing a 506C, which we've been moving to more and more now as, mm-hmm. as, as my investor base has grown. Yeah. Um, you, you know, any accredited investor can access those. So it, it just depends on, I mean, we just make sure we're following the guidelines for the type yeah. of deal and the deal that makes sense. Sometimes mm-hmm. on a smaller deal, I'll just do a 506B because I know I can bring in a small group of like friends and family and, mm-hmm. and, and that could be easier and it's nice to give folks access
0: to yeah, these type exactly. deals. Yeah, we deal, we deal a lot with uh, like smaller investors as well. So, you know, less than a $100,000 investment in some of these like uh, syndication which are really like just more like joint ventures on these apartments but mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so it's nice to keep in touch with them i mean they have they're much closer to their their capital than uh some of the bigger investors and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's kind of a and i yeah and i like yourself i feel like yeah we are really helping them you know grow their equity grow their their yeah. investment so that they can Good in the next level. So, really like yeah,
1: that. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's fun. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's, uh, I, it's just, it's cool. It's, it's always just so cool to when the distributions go out to get, get the messages and, and, and people are loving it. And so, it, it, you know, add, adds an extra layer to the job. It's not just all about the finances.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So that we just sold one, one apartment building on, um, last friday so now this week i'm gonna just before thanksgiving i'm just gonna send them a wire for the uh, for their principal and and their profit so they should be happy yeah. about that yeah it's
1: hey, a great thanksgiving gift right yeah
0: exactly right <laughs> just in time for the holidays uh, so tell me about your long, term strategies for these buildings. You have different exits for different, uh, different building. You're always looking for projects that you're going to do value add and then exit in three to five years. Uh, what, what's the plan?
1: Yeah. So we're typically, uh, always looking for, va- well, I'd say we're always looking for value add. There's gotta be an upside component to it. it it's got, it's gotta have a deficiency that we can solve,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: That's what we're looking for on the front end. And, uh, but, and we're ho- typically holding them for three to five years. Um, but the exit and time frame is, is property dependent, market dependent, you know, mm-hmm. um, depends on, but we always go into it thinking about what is the exit going to be? And I think that's critical. And I, and I yeah. think you always want to have a couple of exit strategies. Exactly. So it's like, okay, we can. You know, this one is in is in a market that is really up and coming. There's a ton of growth, so this is one that that we're going to refinance. You know, maybe we're going to refinance this one two or three times. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll give all the investors their money back, um, and just continue to let this thing run because it's got a lot a lot of legs, right? But mm-hmm. there could be another property where there's you know, we buy it at a great basis and we know it's really just a basis play, right? Where we can, we can buy it below the market and we can add a ton of value, but it's not in an area where we maybe believe there's, there's really long-term growth coming or substantial growth. And so that's one that we want to create the value and then sell it when, when the value has been created. And so, and, th- and that might be more of like a two or three-year hold. Um, and so it really just depends on the on the asset, kind of the vintage of the asset, the market, what's happening in the market. Um, but right now, just generally, I mean, I mean, with the the selling frenzy that is going on, with all the capital out there looking for deals, I think the more that the more quickly you can turn around your properties and get them back out on the market, I mean, you just you're creating a ton of value for investors. Like, yeah. we just sold a property in June that we held for 21 months. We it was a five year hold is what we projected, but. Mm-hmm we could double the returns that we told the investors we'd get them in five years, in 21 months. And so it was a no-brainer.
0: I know it's kind of uh, as yeah, same for us too. Like, yeah, there's so much demand out there. It's kind of, Mm -hmm. you uh, you know, I have people actually, we have one apartment building left right now, and and the other four that we had, like, yeah, it was somebody out of the blue said, is this for sale, is this for sale? I said, okay, well, the right price, yeah, it's for sale. Yeah. And then, yeah, they hit the right price. So okay, <laughs> I guess we're selling. <laughs> yeah. And um, so yeah, it, it is a it's a hot market from that perspective, even for uh, for that. So, and we had done the value add. So yeah, it was great for the investors. The investors are gonna be very happy. And we held them money for like two years. So, so yeah. it was very good. Yeah. Very good. So, what's the next step uh, for you, Kent? So, in terms of your business, in terms of your life. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it's really all about growth right now. I mean, we've, so I feel like we've set a really solid foundation, right? With the three deals that we've done since beginning of June. Um, and now it's really about growing. You know, I, I've got a I've got a, a fairly large team. I've got about seven uh, contractors and VAs uh, that work for me in different capacities, but we are, uh, we're bringing on our first full-time employee. We're going to bring on like a director level acquisitions position and just focus on sourcing Uh, just sourcing properties uh, and be able to do that full time, which will allow me to focus more on the thought leadership of the podcast and doing things like this and engaging with investors, uh, which is what I love doing. And, uh, and yeah, so and my goal next year is to acquire a 1000 units. My goal in three years is to have 5000 units. And so pretty aggressive goals that I've set. But, um, you know, I, I think it's doable. I think if you have the right like this is management consulting, right? You're putting the policies and procedures and the standard operating procedures exactly, in place, yeah. right? And then you just uh, continue to execute on that. So for us, I think we have a, a process that works. Uh, you know, I think we can always be better at sourcing properties and expanding our markets. And that's what we're really going to focus on building out the acquisition team around. um and then after that, it's really, as we reach a thousand units, it'll be building out the asset management team. So the execution team to focus on the properties that we own. And we're going to, so we're going to build out a couple of key teams and continue to grow.
0: That oh, sounds good. So I uh, can't, uh, we're about to wrap this up. Anything else you want to add? Uh, where can people reach you? And uh, you can mention your podcast as well, where they can uh, subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Thank
1: you. So you can reach me at KentRitter.com. That, that's my home base, and uh, we've got videos and investor resources, like FAQs, terminology. I've got a blog that I do uh, pretty much weekly. Uh, you can also see my podcast and some other videos there. Uh, the podcast is called Ritter on Real Estate. You can also access that anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, and and the podcast is really focused on, on helping passive investors make good investing decisions. You know, so it, it, it's really understanding from the pros, what are they doing and why, mm-hmm. um, so that we can replicate that. And uh, and yeah, from there, you can find me on social media. I mean, I'm LinkedIn, probably the most, uh, just Kent Ritter, easy to find. You can uh, DM me and yeah. uh, be happy to talk.
0: Great. Well, Kent, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Eric.
0: Appreciate having me on. All right. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening to break away from the rat race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at break away from the rat race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.